0: And uh, the text for today is taken from Romans 12 and 3. So if you open your notes for a moment, and for some of you, you may even have our little uh, Bible app option. And if you have our Bible app option, I think the notes are even present on on that um, Bible app. It says, and those who are watching by streaming, it'll be a little message to the side that says PDF. So you just click that PDF and it'll give you a copy of the notes. So the text for today is taken from Romans 12 and 3. And it says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. I'm going to read it again, Romans 12 and 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Our title for today is, Where Am I and Why? Come on, say, where am I I? And and why? And our question for today is, are you where you thought you would be in life? Are today, this very moment, are you where you thought you would be in life? We're talking about building a future and building a future in truth. And life is a journey. And for some of, some of you, you've only had this journey for 20, 30 years. You haven't been at it very long. And some of you in the house have been on this journey for 50-plus years. Do I have any 50 plusers in here? You've been on this journey for 50-plus years. But even in that journey, the journey is a process. And in order to have successful life, you need to make sure that you're building that life on the truth. Now, all of us have had dreams. And I did some research to find out what was the most common dream? What is it I want to be when I grow up? What was the common thing said by individuals who were, who were toddlers, who were preschoolers? And the most common dreams or, or career desire was to for a preschooler was to be a ballerina or a dancer and some of you you had that dream you know good and well you walked all around the house on your tippy toes and trying to spin around and wearing tutus that was your dream your dream may have been to be a singer or a musician we've all had it where you take the microphone that's the hairbrush, and um my si- my sister and my cousins we used to be the supremes hold the hairbrush and do our little moves. Stop in the name of love. All that wonderful stuff. That was your dream. And then some dream to be a doctor. My grandbaby, a Milani baby, and knowing her, she's probably having fun at a park or something, but she should be watching her grandmama. But she, <laughs> she does, she believes she can be all three. One minute, she's a dancer. She's taking gymnastics now, so she just you know, we'll give you a pose in a minute, you know, she thinks she's a dancer. Then sometimes she thinks she's a musician. And some of you have seen videos of her in action. Uh, her, her newest thing now is, is beating drums and playing congas. And so, and she's just two. And so she thinks she's a musician. And then the other one that has been just for the past few months, she thinks she's a doctor. And she thinks she's a doctor because of Doc McStuffins. Any of you know about Doc McStuffins? If you don't know about Doc McStuffins, you need to ask your child, your grandchildren, all that. They can bring you up to par. But Doc McStuffins, because of her Doc McStuffins kit she has, she will go around her stethoscope, I've been talking too long, stethoscope, and she will try to listen to your heart. And sometimes she doesn't come anywhere near your heart Sometimes she's listening to your leg. She's listening to your knee. She's, there's any body part she can reach at the time. She's listening. And then she has this other tool that I just, ooh, I don't know why they put that in the kit. They, the little hammer that's supposed to test your reflexes. So she will, after she checks to see if your knee is breathing, you know, she is going to come with the little hammer and she starts aiming straight for that knee. And I tell you, when she comes after me, I just throw my knee way up, like whoop. Yes. It's working. You don't have to do it again. Because if you don't move that leg, she will hit harder and harder and harder to try to say, come on now. I know your reflexes work. It's like, come on, little girl. You better go on for me. Go, go beat on your daddy leg. You know, (laughs) so as a preschooler, you want to be a ballerina, a dancer, a doctor. The stats say that when you are in grade school, you want to be a scientist. I don't know how many of you had the little science kits with with the test tubes in it, but you want to be a scientist. You want to be an astronaut. That was, I used to tell everyone, I'm going to be the first black female astronaut. And you see me today. (laughs) Ta-da! You know, but I told everybody I'm going to be the first black female astronaut. Uh, The dream is to be a veterinarian, an artist, or a doctor. The top dreams for teenagers, still a doctor. And another dream for a teenager is to be an engineer, a scientist, and then this was absolutely surprising to me that teenagers are starting to say, I would like to be a teacher. Now after you tortured your preschool teacher, your elementary school teacher, your middle school teacher, then you got nervous to say you wanna be a teacher. But then it proves those who are teachers in the house that they are admiring you from afar. They actually remind you, they're not gonna admit it, but they're admiring you from afar. So they wanna be a teacher, an actor, or a, a writer. The question for today, again, is, are you where you thought you would be? And our key word is truth. Truth is the quality or state of being true or accurate. And our goal in this series is to help us all Build our future based on the truth. So in the verses, uh, in, in Romans 12 and 3, we see some truthful reminders given to us by Paul. Paul says, first of all, I want everybody to listen. He said, I say this to every one of you. Do I have your attention? I said, Grandma saying, wait a minute. You, you guys listen or you're listening? Everyone, listen. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. That was his first warning. He's telling us to watch out for pride, watch out for arrogance, watch out for self-righteousness, watch out for self-exaltation. Your grandmama may have called it, watch out for the big head. Like, your head got so big, can't even walk through the door, you can't listen because you got the big head. You know, it's like, that's what Paul is saying. Please be careful. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought pride, arrogance, self-righteousness. Even within in the church setting, you can have a whole lot of self-righteousness. The, the kingdom can't really function without me because I'm, so, I'm such a powerful communicator. It's like, brother so-and-so, when he teaches Bible study, he has 10, 15, 20 people, but when they find out I'm teaching Bible study, The word, everybody going to want to come. Oh, just everybody come on out because I'm up tonight. I'm up tonight. I got a word for you. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, "Mm, Paul talked about you. Another, and I have been in ministry. uh, This ministry actually was started by my mom in our home. And so I've seen everything, you know, over these bountiful years. And most of the time, the individuals who are the most guilty, uh, with, the, with the problem of self-righteousness fall in the category of church ministers. And the other one is church musicians. They feel as if the church musicians feel like nothing's gonna happen, church service gonna be dead till I get to the keys. When I get to the keys, when I get to the hammond, I'm gonna make them shout. Then I'm gonna make them worship a little bit. Then when I stop, they gonna stop. And then if I kick back in, they gonna come back in again. But, you know, nothing's going to happen until I come. So that's why in some churches you'll see the church musicians will come up and they just come up the side like, I'm here now. Y'all can have church because I'm here. And they just go to that little bench and just ease their little body in the bench a little bit like, it's going to be on now. You know, no, Paul talked about you. Head is big. I was raised with a pack of musicians. My dad was, was, a, ham, was a person who could make a, a ham and talk. My biological father, not the one everybody who thinks is my stepfather, they think my stepfather was my dad, but my dad's name was James Bryan and he could make a Hammond talk. And so I've seen it all, heard it all. That's why when those musicians come upside the wall and church already started, I point to them and say, you can walk right back behind that wall right there. Because I have seen the damage that can take place in a church when you have ministers and when you have uh, musicians who are arrogant. The Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Secondly, it says, think of yourself with sober judgment, which means think of yourself truthfully. Think of yourself with clarity. Do a self-evaluation. People shouldn't always have to adjust you. you. You know when you have moments where you're crazy. You know, adjust yourself and say, you know what? I should not have said that. I should not have done that you know you don't necessarily you need it's great your supervisor have to correct you but you know you late you know you didn't do the project on time you keep giving the same sad excuse all the time do self evaluation and then it says it also means to think soberly don't be intoxicated intoxication is something that the Bible talks about all the time saying be sober be sober be sober because the the, the God understands that you can think some crazy things when you're not in your right mind. You see all the time, uh, one of the examples that I think of is that here in Savannah, there's a massive celebration. And that, that the, great, the biggest one that I've ever seen in Savannah is usually St. Patrick's Day. And St. Patrick's Day, which is supposed to be a religious holiday, and St. Patrick's Day, they come and they drink so much that they don't even know their name. They wouldn't recognize their mama. Don't know nothing. So they drank and drank, and then when you ask them later on, how did it go? Ooh, I partied in Savannah. I had such a good time. We did this, that, and the other. If they had a body camera, the body camera would tell: yes, they drank. Then they bumped into the wall. They fell off the curb. Almost got arrested. Threw up in the trash can three times. You know. All kinds of things happen to them and you're wondering, how did I get that bruise on my arm? Because you ran into the wall, almost fell into the Savannah River. You know, that's what would happen. So that's why when you're not sober, it says, don't, please don't make any decisions. Please don't sign any documents. Whether it's sober, like um, uh, intoxicated like that, or even sometimes it's various medicines we're on. What does the tube, the tube says, do not drive while taking this medicine. If you're not supposed to drive, surely you shouldn't uh, sign any documents. When you've had a procedure done in the hospital, they'll say, they'll say, please don't allow, they'll have you sign things before they give you the medicine. Then after that, it's like, you don't sign anything because you would have signed away your house, your boat, your car, you know, it's certain decisions and things you don't do when you are not sober. So Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. Don't have a big head. And, don't, and think of yourself with sober judgment. Make sure you're in your right mind. You should think truthfully with clarity, self-evaluation, and soberly. So if, if Paul is telling me these things, Paul is telling me, okay, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Don't think too grand. But then he's saying, okay, be honest and truthful then where am I supposed to go? Where is the growth? Where is that next step? The next step says, think of yourself in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. Think of yourself, and that's, you have to constantly change your mind and say, what did God say about me? Think of yourself in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. So let's look at what God has distributed to us. We see in John 12 and uh, 1 and 12, it says, "All who did receive Him, to those who believe, and to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to be the children of God." So we see, I'm a child of God. Come on, say, I'm a child of God. We see in 1 Peter 2 and 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Come on, say, I am royalty. I am royalty. We see that I'm a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All has come. Uh, the no, new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. Come on, say, I am a new creation. I am a new creation. We learn in Romans 8.37, 37, the verse that's in there, change what you have in there in Romans 8.37. It says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. So come on, say, I am victorious. I am victorious. We see in Matthew 5.13 that I am the salt of the earth. I am the salt of the earth. Come on, say I am the salt of the earth. Now, we always hear about the negative aspects of salt. You need to have a low-salt diet. You don't want to give yourself high blood pressure and all that. But salt is also preservative. It's because of your presence that some, some of your family members are still alive today. It's because of your, your presence that, you know, a lot of opportunities are going to come, come your way because your presence, you're bringing prayer and you're bring, bringing uh, God's presence and God's blessing upon something. You are preservative. Then also something that salt does is salt brings a little taste to it. You know, they'll say it needs a pinch of salt. Your presence will bring a little extra spiciness, an extra little flavor to an environment, just because you're in that workroom. Just because you shouldn't blend in with everybody else. You're supposed to stand out. You should be bring a little bit of extra specialness that just like it would bring specialness to a stew. So we see that we are, I am the salt of the earth. We see in Ephesians. 2 and 10, I am designed to do great work, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepares in advance for us to do. So come on, say, I am designed to do great work. work. And we see also in are bountiful verses, but we see also in Romans 8, 35, and I'm going to read 35 through 39. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Then in verse 17, know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, oh I love this, say I am convinced. convinced. Come and say neither death, death, nor life, nor 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 angels, nor nor demons, nor nor present, nor 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 future, nor any powers, Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So we see that I am loved unconditionally. Come on, say, I am loved unconditionally. So here Paul says, okay, I need everybody listening to me. Listen to me. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. Then he says, I want you to be watchful. Make sure you're sober and you're making wise, clear decisions. Then even after that, because sometimes we'll make these decisions and we'll, we'll believe a little bit too low. We're, we're not really believing enough in ourselves. So he says, and then I want you to think in yourself in accordance to what the faith God has distributed to you. It's things God has already given to you. He's already said it to you. And so you need to take yourself up higher. And you don't have to think of yourself more highly than you are. You are believing what the word of God says. It says, I'm a child of God. I'm royalty. I'm a new creation. I'm victorious. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm supposed to do great things. I'm not supposed to be ignored. I'm supposed to do great things. That's what God's word says. And he says that regardless of my imperfections, I am always loved. Always loved. And many, many more verses. So let's look at verse four. It says, for each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encourage, encourage. If it's giving, give. If it's lead, lead. If it's to show mercy, show mercy. I call this section the truth is. The truth is that you have been blessed with one body. How many bodies do you have? One. Now I know you may like, you wish you had somebody else's body, but you have one body. God bless you with your five, two little powerhouse body. God bless you with your six, eight, Whatever little body. You know, whatever it is, that's what you have. Now, there's some, you have some slight adjustments you can make in your body. You can make a decision sometimes, not all the time, how wide the body is and how narrow the body is, and that's not even all the time. as I, I have We have somebody on staff that eats like a sumo wrestler, and she's still as slim as she can be, you know, but they have, right, at least that's today. We'll see what happens when we're 50-something years old. But <laughs> But... You have been given one body, and with that one body is certain different parts of your body, and each part of your body has a job, has a function. Your eye has a function. Your ear has a function. Your heart has a function. And the goal of the series is to say, you don't want one part of the body jealous of the other part of the body. You don't see a person trying to make their eye digest food. You don't see a person trying to make their ear cause you to breathe. You know, each part of your body is uniquely designed for a purpose. So the scripture says that the body of Christ is the same way. Once you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you are part of a family. You are part of what they call the kingdom of God or the rulership of God. And you are part of what's called the body of Christ. One body. Come on, say one body. body. In that one body, in the body of Christ, there are various gifts within that body. Some have the gift of prophesying and some people just tend to think the term prophesying is just saying, and thus saith the Lord, Wait, I'm waiting on God, I'm here. I hear you, Lord, I hear you. Go out the door, yes, Lord, and go to the mall, yes, Lord, I'm going to go to the mall and they're going to give me a $50 discount, yes, Lord, it's like, okay, God does speak miraculously, but what God has done is he's already spoken and placed it in his word. There are certain things, just like, should, your, should someone come, should God have to come down and tell you, thus saith the Lord, please brush your teeth in the morning or thou shalt lose all of thy teeth. No, you were taught when you were two, three years old, you finally got some teeth that you needed to brush. You know, does God have to come down and give a prophetic word that says, you know, dog is spelled D-O-G, does said the Lord. No, you learn from your kindergarten teacher that D-O-G is dog, dog, dog. You learn your phonics. All those basics were placed in, in, in a, in, that were taught to you already. So there are a lot of biblical basics. God already spoke and told us that we need to speak the truth. So I don't need a prophetic word saying, let's say it the Lord. Most of the time when the Bible is speaking in terms of prophesy, prophesy is to proclaim the word of God. It means what does the word of God say? Now I'm telling everybody about it. Then what does it say here in the word of God? And I am prophesying, I'm declaring, I'm proclaiming the word of God and telling people about it. That's what it's saying. So if you have that gift To proclaim the word of God, the Bible says proclaim it. Don't just talk about it. One day, you know, God called me to to teach the Bible and and he going to use me mightily and I'm just waiting on my season. It's like, no, if God called you, go. Don't wait for 200, 300 people. Teach one person. Teach two people. That's how Overcome My Faith started. It didn't start with all these thousands and thousands of people. I told you it was actually founded by my mom and it was my mom and one lady sitting in a room. And they prayed and talked about the word. Then it was two people. Then it was three people. Then it was four people. If you're called, you're called to proclaim the word of God. So don't just talk about it, do it. Come on, say, don't just talk about it. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So if you have the gift of prophesying, proclaim the word of God. Then prophesy. If you have the gift of serving, serve. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. Understand, teaching is not just limited to teaching the Word of God. Some of you have the gift of teaching just about any principle, and a person has the ability to grab it. You know, it's a, to teach a child how to tie their shoelaces can be a challenge. You know you know how to tie your own laces, but it's like, how in the world can I get that child? You know, and then you loop, and then you bow, and then tie. But then some people have the gift of teaching. It's like, baby, come here, let me show you. You know, and they have a little song that they sing and all this stuff. And next thing you know, the child learn how to tie their laces. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. If you have the gift of encouraging, encourage. If you have the gift of giving, give generously. If you have the gift of leading, lead. If you have the gift of showing mercy, show mercy and do it diligently. God is warning us to please avoid comparisons. Don't be mad at somebody else because they have the the gift to sing you know and you're trying to make yourself have the give i have that gift too and why they didn't let me sing that song it's like no no you know well. just ask your family your family will be honest with you they'll say no baby yo the one that really tell you the truth is your mom and your grandma just ask grandma grandma will tell you no baby no you can you can sing for grandma but please don't put a mic to your mouth you know whatever it is that be clear of your gift you have a pastor who has some unbelievable gifts. He has the ability to take scripture, that is, I'm thinking, I don't even know what he's talking about. Notice I always have to go to the NIV and the Message Bible in order to understand what in the world, you know, but he has the ability to take the Bible and it, all kind of versions and be able to make it practical and, and even kids will understand it, that's a gift. That's a gift of prophesying, being able to proclaim the word of God. But he also has a lot of other gifts. He has a gift of encouraging and he has a a gift of of leading and a gift of mercy. He can go to somebody's house who lost a loved one and 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 just bring about encouragement. They're grieving and sad and all these things and and he will just actually just his, his presence and his words, he will just encourage them. Of course, they're so sad they lost a loved one, but it's like he's able to bring a little bit of light to the environment. That's his gift. That is not my gift. You bring me to your house and you crying, I'm going to cry with you. I, I don't even know your cousin, your daddy, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't help a bit. So that is not... My gift. So if you have, if pastor is at your house and it's like, where am I first lady? You need first lady to just stay right on where she at and walking in her gift because I won't be able to help you. Sometimes even at the home going services, praise team know. It's like, okay, if there's somebody I've known for a long time, it's like, I can't take it now. I can't take it. If I see see that child come up that aisle crying, I'm going to cry just as hard as them, you know. So they know it's like, tag, you know, it's not my gift. So you have to understand what your gift is and walk in that gift. Whatever that gift is, accept it. And remember, there's no greater gift. You need to stop thinking like, oh, gosh, when I come up and do what pastor does. It's like that's some magnificent gift. No, I have watched some magnificent gifts around here. I've seen cases where it'd be a frustrated parent where the child is just crying and carrying on and wiggling and wobbling. It's like the, parent, the mom is thinking, am I going to ever be able to stay in the church? The child won't go to children's church. It won't stay in the family room. And I'm trying to hear the word, and they're just carrying on. Then next thing you know, I'll see Mary Nelson or someone in children's ministry, or tiptoe out, say some encouraging words to them, you know, to just make them feel better. Let them know it's just for a season. It'll be okay. That's the gift of encouragement. I had that done for me when, when uh, on my first child, Ricky Temple Jr., R.J., who need to be watching on demand, even if you're not watching now, that boy got thrown out of children's church every week. <laughs> we are talking a pastor's child got thrown out of children's church, and it's like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. And he wa- it wasn't that he wanted to—he s- wanted to stay in there, but he was a biter, so he was. Parents were scared. It's like, is baby Ricky in here? You know, he would. He would greet you, and he would greet them like, "Good then I'm like, oh my, so here they go. Diane, come get, he got somebody crying again, so it's like, oh my gosh, am I gonna ever sit in church? But then I had Charles Singleton's wife, Lenora Singleton. She would come, and she would say, Diane, don't worry, I got him. And so she would grab Ricky and just walk him up and down the street and up and down the street until church was over so I could finally hear a sermon. It's like gift of encouragement. Thank you. You encouraged me so he can finally stop. He was finally able. I don't know how old he was. Maybe by the time he was five. No, I'm joking. It was just a few months. He finally realized he's not supposed to greet with a bite. He was supposed to greet with an embrace and say, praise the Lord and love you, Jesus, and all that. So, but that was a gift, and it's a gift she still has to this day. That when someone feels like they're just absolutely overwhelmed, she'll come and help them feel better. And understand, that's a powerful gift. That's the gift I needed. I didn't didn't need the scripture telling me, hold on. I need somebody to hold Ricky and walk up and down the street. (laughs) So all those gifts are wonderful, and they all make up the wonderful body of Christ. Just like your physical body, you have the ear and the nose and the heart and the lungs. In the body of Christ, you have all these people who not only have the ability to teach like our children's church teachers, but we also have those who can proclaim the word of God and those who serve like our ushers and those wonderful people who serve grits in the, in for breakfast and all those things, statements of encouragement, giving. Giving beyond themselves. We have people where they may not necessarily volunteer for anything, but when it's time to give, when we want to send a kid to camp, or we want to do something special, they step up and they say, how can I give? How much does it cost to send some kids on a trip? How much does it cost? I've had people already say, how much does it cost, you know, to get some uniforms for kids? And, and I'm going to just buy a whole bunch of uniforms, when we have the uniform drive at the end, end of the month. They are, I already have people shopping. Gift of giving. They're bringing it. Things are arriving at the church. Gift of giving. That's all a part of the body of Christ. So we see, let's continue in Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if you want to really give truthful worship to God, it says, present your body as a living sacrifice. So we just think holy and acceptable. So it's supposed to be, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't, don't, don't. No, in the Message Bible, it is saying, I, I, uh, in, um, in 12.1, take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That's what it's saying. Your everyday, ordinary life, going to work, going to the grocery store, going to the drugstore, getting your car washed, whatever it is, take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Thanking God for the ability to eat and sleep and do all these things is the best gift you can give him, the best gift. Don't become so well-adjusted with your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about God. Don't just say, yep, I've got my dream job. Yes, I have my second degree. Yes, I have my dream car. All these various things. Don't become so well-adjusted with your culture that you fit into it without even thinking that God was the person who brought you through. Are you where you thought you'd be in life? Well, only you can really answer that question. You may not be a ballerina, but we have hundreds of people, young and old, who dance before thousands every year in our arts ministry. You may not be a scientist, but your a passion for learning Still is alive and well, and your passion for learning has impacted your family for generations to come. You may not be a doctor, but your words, uh, your words, your prayers and even your life has healed countless broken hearts. The verse says in verse three and verse two, "Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Then you will be able to test and prove what God's God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. This is a verse that I use quite often. I even used it the last time I taught. It says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means your mind has to change all the time. Your mind has to be upgraded, adjusted. You don't think exactly the way you did when you were a preschooler. Preschooler, you danced around, you know, in your ballerina, and you just wanted to drink drinks. I eat freeze pops all the time. You don't do that anymore. So you have to have your mind renewed. The Message Bible, the reason why I pulled it back out again, is the Message Bible version. It says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. There's a song that even some little girls sing here at the church, and it says, inside out, inside out, you must serve my Jesus from the inside out. Sometimes we just serve him on the outside. But we're not really serving him on the inside. Is that the, are you the same person individuals see at church, at home, at work? Or is it like you hallelujah in church and you cussing out people first thing in the morning? You should fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Are you where you thought you would be in life? Not sure about that, can't answer it. But is it possible that you are where you should be? Is it possible today you're not where you thought you'd be, but it's possible that you are where you should be. Pastor has given his testimony on countless times about how his dream was to be a police officer. And that was the path he was on, but God had another plan for him. You know, there are bountiful, we are blessed with police officers who share, who share their gifts, you know. But instead of pastor arresting people, pastor is helping people not to be arrested by being a pastor. And sometimes he's encouraging a person who has been arrested and now they're out and how to live victoriously without being arrested again. So that was the path God had for him. And when if you ask me, am I where I thought I should be? I would be absolutely not. Because I had no plans on ever, ever talking in front of people, way too shy for it. And, And a lot of people just don't even believe me when I say it. But those who've known me for a long time know, yes. It's hard to get a sentence out of me if I'm not in in church. You know, I have to press my my way to speak in front of people because it's just not my nature. So if you told me, showed me a picture that I would be standing before people talking, I would probably just pass out just the thought that I would be standing in front of people. But am I where I should be? Yes, because obviously this is one of the many things God has called me to do. And it's an honor for me to do it. Come on and stand to your feet. We're gonna pray. Our question for the week, are you where you thought you would be in life? For some, you need to say, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and my life. And since I made that decision, if I don't have, a, I have, if, even if I have a question about if I'm in the right city, am I in the right job, am I in the right, I may still have questions about that, but am I in the right place spiritually? Yes, because I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and my life. Some of you in here, if everyone take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes. The best decision you could possibly even make in this season is to ask Jesus Christ to rule and reign over you. And understand that you this the God that I'm talking about is a God who loves you unconditionally. There is nothing you can do that we already heard can stop you, stop him from loving you. No behavior, no depth, no height, no problems, nor demons, nor angels can stop him, can separate him from loving you. So if you, it's time for you to just say, okay, God, I want to come back. I want to have you rule and reign over my life. And God created this plan. It was so simple. He said, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You can't clean it up, you can't stop it, you can't scrub it out. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ already paid the price for you. He already sacrificed for you. You don't have anything else to do. He said, if you just do that, those simple things, thou shalt be saved. And it involves a simple prayer that I would be my honor to pray with you today. If you want to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart into your life. If you want me to pray that prayer with you, we're not going to call you up or do anything to you. All you have to do, considering this is a a decision between you and your Heavenly Father, is put your hands up and put it back down, and we will pray with you from your seat. All you have to do is put your hands up and put it back down, and we will pray with you from your seat. One more time to make sure we didn't miss someone. Put your hand back up and put it back down we will pray with you from seat. Now, there may be some in the house who say, well, I've prayed that prayer before and I was gun hole for Jesus, but I just kind of lost my way. Got, got, my, got off track a little bit, but I like to restart. I like to be rebooted, reset. It's just called a simple prayer of rededication. So if there's anyone in the house, you would just like to be, receive a prayer of rededication. God, I'm sorry, I messed up, but I want to start over again. Start over by serving you and allowing you to rule over my life. If that is you and you want the simple prayer of dedication, just lift your hands up and put it back down. Lift your hands up and put it back down. Come on, everyone, lift those hands. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father your, word says, your word says, if I confess with my mouth, with my mouth the, Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart, in my heart that God Raise Jesus Jesus from the dead, dead, I shall be saved. saved. So on today, I confess, confess. on today, I believe, believe. and today, today, I receive. receive. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who lifted their hands before you on today. I pray that you give them the strength to continue to move forward. Understand, Lord God, we all understand it, Satan's job. It's to steal kill and destroy so his his goal is as soon as they get out of this room he's gonna start saying why would you raise your hand what you did that for you just embarrassed yourself help them to resist the lies of the enemy and walk in this new life your word says that they now are royalty your word says that they are now chosen people your word says that they are a new creation in Christ Jesus your word says that they are fearfully and wonderfully made your word says that they are now the salt of the earth. Your word says that they are now victorious. I pray that they not receive any lies from the enemy. They will receive the truth, the truth that can only be found in your word, the truth that only can be found in you. So, Lord God, I pray that they will get into that daily devotional. I pray that they will watch what they place in their spirit. They will watch what they listen to. They will be careful what they watch. They will be careful of the friends because some of their friends need to be removed. I pray that they be careful of even who they have in their cell phone because some of those people in their cell phone need to be deleted in Jesus' name. Because if those persons in the phone are not going to help them in their spiritual walk, they need to get to stepping in Jesus' name. Help us, all, Lord God to be an encouragement to one another, to be a blessing to one another. Help us not to compare each other. Some in the body of Christ have magnificent gifts that for some of us we wish we had. But Lord God, we're thrilled that we serve a God who sees the gift of prophesying and as, as the gift of serving and the gift of encouraging equally. I pray, Lord God, blessings upon your people. I thank you, Lord God, for these many hands that went up today and the angels in heaven are rejoicing because the the kingdom of God just got bigger. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.